0: And welcome to the Bulwark's Next Level Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Miller, with my longtime BFF used to be in an office together, even. Uh, Sarah Longwell and Sonny Bunch, who is in for uh, JVL. Today, guys, uh, before I get to you, um, we have we have a live show in D.C. on Thursday. This is your last chance. Sign up for that. Get tickets. Tickets are running low. Come hang out with us.
1: I don't think we have many left. We've got like 20.
0: Yeah, I know. So we're going to have a good time. As for this podcast, I've been noticing you guys have been falling down on your job on commenting on the Spotify and Apple apps. So, you know, go in there. Give us a review. Give us a rate. Talk about how I'm your favorite member of the trio, et cetera, et cetera. While we're on reviews of the podcast, really quick before we get to our topics, I, I did Ponce of America live in New Orleans on Friday. I was a little, I was a little tipsy, which you might notice if you if you listen to it. But one interesting piece of feedback I got, it was a little bit of a good news, bad news situation. Those boys are loyal listeners of the next level, even over. Other political podcasts like that, their boss does, like their former boss does a political podcast that people talk about. They listen to us instead. So, loyal listeners, which is nice. Uh, Bad news is they don't like the name. Don't like the the name. Mentioned it live on stage that they don't like the name and they want us to reconsider (laughs) renaming the next level in 2024. John Lovett. You know, maybe this says more about John Lovett than about the podcast. I don't know, but he's like, I always forget it and it's hard to Google. You know, he's like, he's like, Tim Miller, cuck podcast. And and so anyway, <laughs> something to, something to pray on Sarah Longwell podcast, then you get the focus group. So just something to pray on. I'm not saying we change it. I'm just, I'm always open to constructive feedback from loyal listeners, even if they are neoliberal shills with a competitor. podcast. Wait,
1: hold on. That is interesting. Do they have a suggestion? Because if you recall, when we were trying to pick a name, this was like, just the one we could all agree on because it was so benign like we couldn't I forget what we wanted I wanted to call it like the right stuff or something and you hated that because you yes. didn't want to be so like not all right so great we'll take suggestions not just criticism
0: yeah we'll take feed we'll take we'll take feedback in the comments okay on to the news we've got Tim Scott did drop out of the race. Uh, we're not going to lead with that. That's not a block A topic. But for people who are dying <laughs> to get our takes about Tim Scott, uh, that will be coming. What I wanted to start with was Jonathan Martin, friend of the Bulwark, uh, wrote a uh, column yesterday in Politico that was not well received in Biden world. Let's just let's just be clear that listed all of the, you know, bedwetting political strategists' um, anonymous advice that he could hoover up for for Joe Biden and uh, kind of ran through all of it, all the things that Democratic strategists who are, who still want to be invited to the White House Christmas Party, so won't say it on the record, complain about all things that they want from Joe Biden. I love j Mark. to be honest. I thought it was a little overwrought, the column, but I thought the concept was interesting, and it might be you know, we're we're just over one or just under rather one year out from the election might be a good way to start uh, to use that as a prompt, maybe. And all of us could give our one piece of pro bono advice to Joe Biden as he as, as he stares down the barrel of just a fucking rematch with Donald Trump for some reason, um, uh, which which we're going to we're going to get to next. So who who wants to go first? Uh, we, we've not prepped. I don't know what your guys's advice is going to be. I know what mine is. I'm, I'm a little concerned me and Sarah have the same advice, actually. So I'm, I'm like frantically trying to think of a backup. Um, but okay. uh, I'll, well, then I'll, I'll let gonna you guys go first. I'm going to go first then. Okay, yeah, great. to make
1: sure. Because my piece of advice has remained the same the entire time. When I was on with Jen Psaki, the thing I was really pressing her on was not why isn't Biden out there more, but why don't they have more surrogates? They now have this bench, a really good bench, right? They've got their Whitmers. They got their Shapiros. They got Wes Moore. Uh, they got Abigail Spanberger, Alyssa Slotkin, Mikey Shiro, all these like women who were CIA agents and Gubernatorial candidate, pilots. Abigail
0: Spanberger, by the way. Congrats to a friend of the Big pod, ups. Abigail Spanberger, run for governor of Virginia.
1: And so this seems to me like a huge missed opportunity for them to put both a younger face on the party, to give people a sense of what the future of the Democratic Party could be, and to have people out there selling Biden's agenda. And I've always been I've always wondered like why this isn't happening already and is it because these people don't want to carry water for Biden is it because Biden is not inviting them into it and this was one of the things that in the piece j mark kind of hit on that made it sound like the big problem is the white house isn't asking for this and that if the white house was asking hey guys like let's all have a meeting at the white house let's talk about you know how to go out and sell the agenda like that seems to me to be the lowest hanging fruit and the only person who does it really, is Gavin Newsom, right? He's not being Gavin asked. Newsom. He's
0: inviting himself to the party. Right, he's inviting
1: himself. Uh, but, but, they, but that's good. I mean, and I don't particularly care for Gavin Newsom, but when he goes and fights with Sean Hannity about Biden's like, energy policy or whatever, that helps both Biden and Gavin. And so these are win-wins and why people aren't availing themselves of it, I don't understand.
0: Just really quick on Gavin. He's been pretty good as a surrogate. I also don't like him, though. His press conference yesterday where he was like, Yes, we're cleaning up the homeless because, Sharon, because the world leaders are coming to town and the same way you clean up your house for guests, uh, that was that was not really the best. That was really bad, actually. that's that's bad. They should have workshopped that a little bit more. Anyway, so you, Gavin's not bad. Taxpayers should
1: live among the needles. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, you,
0: yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> the plebe, should you know <laughs> have to jump over people doing fentanyl on the street. But if Chairman Xi comes to town, it will be gold-plated <laughs> roads for for as long as I can see. Sonny, I, I have some thoughts on Sarah's suggestion, Sonny, But what's your take on that? Do you think that matters? Is that is that a difference maker?
2: Uh, I I don't know. I I think it probably it couldn't hurt. I'll put it that way. If if you're not going to have Biden out there doing press conferences every day. And, you know, like, and I, I wouldn't there. He's got more important things to worry about. You need to have the surrogates out there. And that is it is interesting, this idea that they just simply aren't asking. I would find that almost shocking. I feel like that's very basic, like maintenance of the, the presidency stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, it couldn't hurt. It couldn't hurt to have friendly faces out there making the rounds, doing the talking points
0: yeah, my take on this, and I, I basically agree with Sarah, and this was if it wasn't Sarah's advice, this was going to be mine. But I, I have another piece of advice, is I don't know if it's so much surrogates like writ large per se, as I kind of want like one head surrogate, right? I, I, that would be my piece of advice. And like I think that that this in theory could have been Kamala. Clearly, like this is not in her wheelhouse. Um you know, I, I actually think Kamala's maligned, and there are other things that they could be using her to do. Um, but I, they need somebody that can carry the case against Trump that has the gravitas to get on the shows, to make news, somebody that people know is in Biden's ear, a trusted person. I, I mean, J-Mart had Rom, in the... Pe- Just really quick, I, I think I forgot to mention this. If you're if folks are looking to read the story, it's here's how Biden can turn it around in Politico. J-Mart had Rom as the head picture there. Somebody like Rom, right? Like, Jeff Zients seems to be doing a great job. I have nothing against him. But I almost feel like he needs... Biden could use an inside chief of staff and an outside chief of staff, right, or a campaign manager, somebody that, like, when Donald Trump calls people vermin, Rahm can be on all the shows the next day and be like, this is like Hitler, this is outrageous, right? So Biden doesn't have to do it. Kamala isn't the one to do it. But, you know, if you had Chris Murphy go out and talk about that, that's better than nothing. I agree. I agree that's better than nothing. But I I think that the way to really elevate it would be to kind of name somebody that people know and see and are like, okay, this person represents Biden administration and they're good at that. He hasn't really had that the whole time, I guess, since Saki, really. I mean, and and maybe it's time to get Saki off MSNBC, give me that slot and like put her back in the game. Um, But I don't think she wants to do that. But uh, KJP is just not that good at that. The chief of staff's Ron Klein was good at it on Twitter, but like that's not enough, right? And 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 you know, Pete again, we, we could have moved Pete to be the secretary of, of offense instead of secretary of transportation. I don't know, but um, that that would be my, my advice. It's related to yours, Sarah.
1: So. Can I just say, number one, I, I just don't think one person's enough. I mean, this is I don't want to like get into the yeah, semantics sure. of it with you, but like I do think one of the big problems for the Biden administration that's been sort of obvious the whole time is that they don't have. A robust communication strategy that is offensive, and they're doing things like like the Bidenomics thing was getting really trashed in this piece. And the thing about Bidenomics, like I think Philip line was like pick it up and put it in the trash can. The problem with the Bidenomics thing is that they branded it before they sold it. Right before you needed, you didn't want to put his name on it until you'd convince people the economy was turning around. Right. And so, like while people still thought the economy was bad, they branded it, and that was a mistake. But part of the reason that they have trouble getting the narrative is that they just can't – what is the Bannon line? Now, Bannons flood the zone with shit, but these guys can't flood the zone sort of with their own people. Candy. Um, yeah. That's but, the but, with- anyway – yeah, and but this is where this is where the sort of um, I think there was some individual pieces of advice I didn't I thought were really, like okay maybe like send the Clintons to solve the Mideast crisis yeah. like okay
0: yeah. and some of it was like stuff that's obviously going to happen in the future like Liz Cheney get her to endorse you it's like what you don't think that's not on their list like yeah. guy yeah. right. like uh, you know is that really is that the best time for that really November twenty twenty three
1: but the big piece of advice the overarching was like get on war footing now like if the stakes are so high. Like, let's get on more footing. And I think that that is, that's the piece that they need to take seriously or the part that I thought was like, yes, this is the problem is everybody continues to operate like we're in a normal political environment. And we are not in a normal political environment. Sorry, Sonny, go ahead.
0: All right, Sonny, advice number two. Advice number one, more surrogates. Advice number two from Sonny Bunch.
2: Number two is stay the course on Israel. I mean, the polling on this is exceptionally clear. Uh, The the support for Israel uh, has ticked up in every category between June and uh, October. There was a poll um, that Brookings was highlighting. uh, You know, the the lean toward Israel numbers uh, for Democrats if you're worried about shoring up the base, went from 13.7% support to 30.9% support. Independence went from 20.8% support to 37.9% support. Net, Republicans net, ticked you, you, up This too. is a
0: net number, right? Not a total. Like it's like 37%. So that's,
2: that's the total. So, I mean, it's plus 17 with Democrats, plus, plus, uh, plus 17 with independents. I mean, like the support for the Palestinian and Hamas cause is always very low in America and has ticked down. And this gets to the broader big strength that Biden has, which is as the defender of the American-led international order, which, uh, you know, you highlight Trump, agents of chaos, who knows what he's going to do. It could, uh, he could throw Ukraine under the bus. He could throw Israel under the bus. Nobody has, nobody actually has any idea what he will do. Um, As opposed to Biden, which is just like fairly steadily maintaining the American support for democracy and our allies abroad. Um, and again, that gets to that gets to both just his biggest overall strength, stability, normal Biden. And it also shores up support amongst uh, maybe I'm wrong, Sarah, on this, but it, I get the sense that that would also help shore up support with security voters like college educated women. I don't know. I, I feel like that's a. You go out there and you say you're suburbs guy." we're going to we're going to. Uh, protect people from terrorists. We are going to get our hostages back who are still being held by Hamas. Like, that is the the angle I take with this. And I think it's, I mean, look, you know, for all the big showy protests, for all the noise out in the internet and people marching in the streets, the polling is very, very clear on this. The support for the Palestinian cause is minuscule.
0: And they should not be worried about those people. Well, you mean the support for... Like stopping, like I think there's plenty of humanitarian support, and if you look at the numbers, it says this. It's like that the people, the, right, like right, two right, People hold two thoughts in their head at the same time, right? Like that they they can feel like we we could be doing more, even uh, you know, on, from a humanitarian on the humanitarian side with the people in Gaza that, that are going through a horrible time. But that doesn't mean okay, telling Israel they should stop defending themselves and we should you know give up on the hostages, exactly. like give up on exactly. the etc. I predicted both of your guys prediction, by the way. I, I actually, I thought Sonny's oh. was going to be start a new war, but I was on this, but stay the course on an existing war is pretty pretty Focus close. On the war you got in hand. <laughs> pretty close. <laughs> I, I will say this. The one thing I, I, I don't, I guess I, I have one agreement with Sonny and one slight disagreement that I'm interested in your take on, Sarah. Uh, on the agreement, I, I really, I do think that there is an over panic right now about the youth vote and youth turnout. And I know that Biden wasn't on the ballot, but if you look at the Virginia, I just saw last night, somebody did an analysis of the Virginia college town numbers, and it was off the charts for Democrats. Now I know this is local election, so it wasn't really Israel, but like you, you, you feel like you would have seen something, right? Like you would have seen some bleed at UVA, Virginia tech, like these places but they hit their numbers on turnout. They hit their numbers on on the vote share, Democrat versus Republican. Um, Liberty University uh, was the one college town where that was not the case. You'll be surprised to hear there was an inversion uh, of of this story in Lynchburg. Um, I think the, I think the Democrats got about five percent in that precinct. Um, so God bless those kids. <laughs> I don't know if their parents have locked them in the dorms there or what's that what's happening for the five percent of Democrats at Liberty, but uh, so I think that that I, I'm a little less concerned about that. You know, I think things could get ugly though by next year. And I am less sure that that the American people are going to want us to be totally tied to whatever, you know, BB and whatever this government is doing over there. And so I I'm I'm less assured in, in your position that 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 blind un, un unwavering support looks as good next year as it does this year but anyway i don't know what we'll you say you sarah the other option is maybe nobody cares about this and this doesn't matter at all
1: yeah i mean i guess i would like disaggregate uh the sort of moral questions sure. from the political yep. questions and so like if we disaggregate those and we just take the political questions the question is is like does this allow biden to look presidential and steady and like he's handling big things that presidents do And I would say in this moment, uh, it is giving him that. And to your point, Tim, like, God knows if JVL was here, who we miss very much. uh, But if JVL was here, he would probably take the he'd take the dark version. We could also take the optimistic version, which is that these things are resolved, that somehow we have a resolution in Israel. uh, We have a resolution of some kind uh, between Russia and Ukraine, which could be huge for Biden right? Um, I just don't, and, how is that,
0: is that how, how can yeah. that possibly be? Well, This is I mean, really Sarah gear. getting high on the optimism juice. I mean, no, uh, I give I know, me I some. Know, I,
1: know. I think that the Israel one, so this is not, as I always stipulate, this is not my area of expertise, but I guess I, I, I think that at least the Israel conflict could be something that is resolved-ish, if nothing else, that Israel goes hard, and then it's over well israel
2: it's like Israel also has no interest in occupying gaza like they don't they don't yeah. want to like keep troops there forever they want they want to get their people back they want to degrade Hamas to the greatest extent possible, and then you know uh, but there there i i can't imagine a situation in which Israel is putting tens of thousands of troops in Gaza for an extended period of time I can imagine it yeah,
0: maybe i mean i don't know i just I, i'm I'm on the dark side of this i i i'm I'm very un it's 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 hard for me to imagine a clean outcome to this but so on
1: the young people though so that so the other thing though is the reason that people turned out and young people turned out is because of the pro-life pro-choice stuff right abortions on the ballot the biggest problem with biden's position on israel in terms of their young base is their activist base who does work on elections right like if like those are the people who go knock doors Those are the people who are young and sort of energetic. Uh, And so that may cause them a little bit of trouble with their sort of apparatus. But I don't think it's going to cause them trouble in terms of votes, because I think people are going to come out and vote on abortion, especially young people.
0: Yeah, the first time there's a door knocking skirmish between the college campus friends of palestine and then the other people that volunteer for campaigns which are retired ladies ladies that are doing their knitting while they're doing their phone calls and you know have their uh you know have their i support israel button on i could get a little could get a little intense at the at a door-knocking uh meetup somewhere but um okay uh sunny i'm not I, i don't know i appreciate that you were true to your brand I don't know that that is going to be the make or break issue for for Joe Biden. Uh, mine is, I, I feel, I, and this is I'm, I'm a little bit of a broken record on this, but like JVL talks and complains a lot about how uh, infrastructure bill and other pieces of legislation have have actually had a positive impact in a lot of red areas. Right there's all these manufacturing plants, you know, that are that are going up. There's all this investment that's going up in red areas. If I was Joe Biden, I would just spend the entire spring, like, hanging out in rural Georgia. And I just, like, in my mind's eye, I have that picture of him with his arm around the biker while Ron DeSantis looks sad. And I just want want them to put that picture up in the office and be like, how many times can we recreate this picture over the next year? Like, I want Joe Biden hanging out at Harley shops and on factory floors and with— union workers of all colors, like in, in working class neighborhoods in the city, working class neighborhoods in, in rural areas, and and just hang out with, and like have Scranton Joe in the Trans Am with people that look like they actually work for a living, uh, unlike us, right? And have some calluses on their hands. And I like, that would just be his entire schedule. And um, that'd be, you know, my North Star. And, uh, you know, if that was Carville's, it's the, I don't know, I don't have an, it's the economy stupid tagline for it but i have a picture so i just want everybody to have the picture it's up to in let office. joe be joe yeah.
1: it's let joe be joe i really agree with this advice i mean he should give no speeches like for his campaign he should just not give speeches because that's not where he thrives and let people come up to him and yeah, argue with hands him. On him and let him say hey jack yeah. uh i'm gonna fight you on that yeah uh, you right. know whatever let <laughs> joe be joe and like one of the things also in the J-Mart piece that I think is true is they clearly they, – his staff, by not letting him engage like in some of the ways that I think he wants to, it gives the impression that they don't trust that he can do it. And they're going to have to take the leash off. Um, and the safest way to do it is actually just let him do it with people. Just let him loose. Yeah. Talking to people in proximity where he can touch them and seem the way he is.
0: Tactile. Not the way Carrie Lake tried to touch me, but – but friendly. That
1: was so receptive funny.
0: Receptive touching.
1: It was so it funny was, that you decided to be like, "Why are you touching me?" As though, as though you don't put your hands on everybody. You're so offended by someone putting your hands on okay.
0: you. I'm, I'm sorry. You I've toucher. never You're grabbed. Toucher, okay, I've never grabbed somebody by both of their hands. I mean, okay, I'm I'm just sorry. Can we just talk about this? Like, it's yeah. one thing to touch a shoulder with, with that has a shirt on it. There is something very creepy about. Both of my hands were being touched, um, and 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 also by somebody like Carrie Lake. I just I don't know. I mean, when a loathsome person tries to put skin on skin, was it skin to skin contact? It was multiple. There were two skin to skin pieces (laughs) of skin to skin (laughs) contact. It'd be like like if I put my hand on somebody's face, like a like a grandmother (laughs) does to a to a grandchild, and like like hey my hey my boy, like like both hands on me, and then and then clasping. Class- I and mean, In the moment, I probably said, "Why are you grabbing me?" Would maybe have been a better word because touching is different. But you know, we're doing it live. But it was it was clasped. You was, you would you was would let, let was like carry the... clasped both of your hands, Sarah? You're shaking your head. It's like being I just, in church.
1: I, it, yeah, it was. I mean, here's the thing. I just thought I thought it was a little performative on your part, right? To be like, uh, "Why are you touching me?" As though she was. You know, we're in like our Me Too phase of. Are you, you know, are you smelling my hair? What 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 creepy thing are you doing? And she was grabbing your hands. Like it's not that humans touch each other.
0: I, I'm both a pro, hands? I'm t- Sunny, Sunny if a stranger grabbed both of your hands, how would you react to that?
2: Tim handled that much better than I would have, because I would have jerked away in disgust. I just Thank would have been you. like, don't, Thank don't you. touch me!" Like, I don't, I don't like, talk be, like this. I don't like to be touched. Like I, I, I know. I barely tolerate it when my children give me hugs. Like that's like my that's like my level of not liking touching. I really don't like to be touched. And if Carrie, if like really, if any politician grabbed both of my hands, or like again, I think it's the skin to skin thing. Because like touching on the shoulders, like okay, you're making, but like. I thought Tim handled it very calmly. And I as I said, know what?
0: I am a toucher. But it was reminiscent of me of for the Catholics out there. Like when, when you have to – they're, they're doing the Our Father in church, and you have to hold your neighbor's hand in the pew. So something that certain Catholic churches do. So it's not – you're not just praying, but you're like your hand-holding. And, and that always grossed me out. I'm like, your clammy hands are on my hands like some stranger in church in the morning. And this is uh, – that was what, what?
1: – So I also don't care for that, but I would just – I will just – Throw something out there for you guys, which is that maybe it's because you're boys and people don't do this to you all the time. But when you're a girl, people touch you all the time. Men grab your hands all the time. Older men, it's a thing that they do constantly when they're talking to you. That sounds close to me. Okay, well, I'm uh, sorry you
0: have to deal with that. Actually, that's we have a terrible culture.
1: Okay, well, I just uh, Carrie like grabbing your hands to me. I was just like that happens to any any if you were talking to an old man politician, they would grab you you and put their hands on your shoulders and grab that grabbing your hands i know exactly what that feels like people do that all the time and they do it as a i know how she was doing it too It's as a i'm making a point here you hush while i make the point and they put their hands on your hands that is a very familiar move
0: uh old straight men are gross i guess that's one thing we can all agree on Uh, a hug you know a little gay hug you know kiss kiss on the cheek the two hand touching—there's something creepy about it. Okay, if people this if you don't bad. know, I just realized something, like maybe a couple of you like live in a cave and don't know what we're talking about. So I'm, I'm going to explain in the next segment. Before I do, Sonny, did you have any final thoughts on my idea for Joe Biden hang out with bikers?
2: I wish you would say like motorcyclists instead of bikers because bikers could—they're two different ways. Bikers, yeah, and he should stay away from—he should stay away from bicyclists actually. He should stay <laughs> okay. far away from bicyclists. He should, but motorcyclists—you know, Harley guys, yeah, those—they're fine. <laughs>
0: I concur. Okay. Um, If if thinking about Carrie Lake touching you and thinking about the problems Joe Biden's campaign is having is causing some mental health issues for you, I've got good news. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know what is supposed to bring joy and goodwill, but sometimes raises your anxiety and sadness? The holidays. Also for me, going back to standard time, OK, I, the four o'clock, I, I've been I've had a horrible week. I've had anxiety throughout my entire body all week because of the sun setting at like 432 for some reason, because a handful of Karens are not happy that their kids have to go to the bus stop in the morning in the dark, I guess, is why we it's why we is why we uh, turn back the clock. I still have no it's idea. For farmers, anyway. Tim.
1: It's for farmers
0: it's for farmers. It's the farmer's, farmers fault. Farmers get very I angry when you blame um, it
2: on farmers, for the record. Farmers are like, we'll get up whenever. We don't care about this. It's just,
0: okay. We just get well, up and do our work. I don't know whose fault it is. I, I apologize to the Karens. I don't know whose fault it is. Needless to say, this time of year, when we have to turn the clocks back and we have the specter of Christmas coming on, it can be a lot. And that's why adding therapy to your life can be helpful amid all the craziness. It gives you the support you need and something to look forward to. Therapy is something that's been a positive addition to my life. Uh, I think it really helped me improve as a person, helped me uh, deal with all the craziness around me. And if you want to give therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option to try it. It's completely online. It's convenient. It's flexible. Answer a brief questionnaire. You're a master of the licensed therapist. You start improving your mental health. So find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash The Next Level today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, pcom slash The Next Level. Okay. So when Carrie Lake was touching me, um, for, for people who don't realize, the last Tuesday, we talked about this a little bit last week, but I was with Lake and Bannon, and uh, the the video of this was released over the weekend, uh, the Bannon interview was was released on the Circus finale, which was awesome. People should watch it. And the Carrie Lake interview was released by Carrie Lake. You know, it's going to hit the cutting room floor, 30-minute episode, a lot of lot of people to talk to. Circus also talked to Gretchen Whitmer, Donald Trump, other others. Uh, it wasn't an interview with Donald Trump, but covered Donald Trump. And so Carrie puts this out. And uh, on her X feed, um, I own liberal, liberal journalists and never trumpers. and And then uh, some of our friends, you know, kind of cut a highlight package of it, including her touching me where it didn't uh, didn't maybe look as as good. But um one of the things so I wrote about this for the triad today. I'm in for JVL. And um one one of the things that both the interview with Bannon and Lake made me think about was, this question of like where the GOP is going and whether like you can actually become normal in a MAGA party, like whether there's a path to like a maga normy merger. You know, what would, Sonny, what would you, we just call it when like the libertarians and the social conservative fusionism, thank you. Fusionism. Yeah. Fusionism. Like, can we have a maga normy fusionism? Or is there something fundamentally crazy about MAGA? And, and, and what prompted this was in the Carrie interview, you could tell she was trying very hard to, like, be a normal politician for half the time. It was not like my last interview with Carrie, where she starts yelling at me immediately. Like, like she was going back to talking points. She was talking about pocketbook issues and fentanyl. And, and, and when I asked her about election fraud, she was kind of discussing the more normal concerns about it, long lines. You know, like, she wasn't doing the Chinese bamboo ballot thing anymore, right? Like, she she was pivoting back to a more, relatively for, for her, right? Like, some facsimile of a normal politician. And then, over the course of the fifteen minutes, that started to degrade her ability to be to be normal, and so and 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 after the interview, I, I was making this observation. And a couple of my friends in Arizona sent me articles about how she's been actually trying to cozy up to the McCain wing and, and and saying to them privately that she's gonna you know soften the edges and become more moderate. But the fact that by the end of the interview, she was making fun of my pearls and saying I was not a manly man and all that makes me wonder if like that's not really possible for her, right? And 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 so I was using this as like this kind of thought experiment about the broader movement. Like, is there something, do MAGA voters just require you to be weird and extreme and conspiratorial and mean because that's what the voters like? And so a nice, you know, a softer version of MAGA it doesn't exist? Or might somebody else be able to do it and it's just not in Carrie Lake's constitution? What do you guys think? What say you?
2: Well, I mean, I think, I think owning the libs is foundational to the MAGA creed, right? I mean, like, that is like, That is like the A number one thing. It's not like, I don't know, man. I don't think supporting Donald Trump is a thing you do because you're really into the various policies he has, right? You support Donald Trump because he's a showman and because he wants to hurt the people you don't like. He wants to hurt the people you feel have been hurting you, right? Like that's what his entire appeal is. And I don't really think like, you know, we're going to talk about Tim Scott here in a minute, but like a guy like Tim Scott, that is not his... MO, his whole MO is being like a reasonable guy who has like fairly straightforward conservative opinions and when he tries to do the maga dance where he's, you know, it doesn't work. It's it's phony. It's phony. People don't like phoniness. And Kerry Lake is like Donald Trump kind of crazy just naturally and there's something that appeals to people about that sort of mask off no veneer of reasonableness. Um, it certainly appeals to a plurality of GOP primary voters. It's it's like it's the foundational tenet of MAGAism. There is no fusionism. There is surrender. There's <laughs> surrender, but there's no there is no fusionist. And this is I look. This is why DeSantis continues to poll at ten or twelve percent or whatever. Right. Like he is the reasonable MAGA guy. Right. That is like his whole brand. He's like I'm effective Donald Trump. People don't want effective Donald Trump. They want Donald Trump.
0: Sarah, I want your take on this. One example of a fusionist possibility is the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Um, just as we were coming on air today, he uh, officially endorsed Donald Trump, um, so, which is, shouldn't be a big surprise. But I guess it's it is kind of surprising since like the last Speaker of the House talked about how Donald Trump tried a coup on the House floor, and like the next Speaker of the House is now endorsing him while there's still other options in the field. But
1: to be well, clear, we, that former, the former speaker also would have endorsed him. Yeah,
0: sure, sure, sure. I'm just, I'm just saying <laughs> the, we've come a long way since 2021. Yeah. It's not a point I like to bring <laughs> up occasionally. Um, but, but so what, what say you? Is that, is it, because they're trying this with Mike Johnson. Right, I mean, now like yeah. said, some other issues like all this weird socially conservative stuff, right? But but like, the the question is, is it doable? Do we have a scary Frankenstein monster MAGA coming in the future who can kind of appeal in the suburbs, but also does all the anti-immigrant, hard tough on crime, or or is it just like, it's just so. So he says, so it's, it's owning the libs is such an essential part of the creed that, like, and being anti elite is such an essential part of the creed that it's not a, it isn't doable.
1: Yeah. So you had a line in the triad that nobody's seen about, like, will they learn to use the doorknobs, right? Which is yeah. like a Jurassic yeah, the, Park ra- reference, the Jurassic which, Park, I, which I love.
0: Which uh, was yeah. from 1993. As soon as I wrote it, I'm yeah. like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm like the, the old guy that I used to make fun of that, like, makes <laughs> okay, all I the know, references about 1980s movies. Anyway, sorry.
1: I loved it because I got yeah, it immediately. But I think the question is, is, and this is where Carrie Lake is different from like a Herschel Walker or where a Dave McCormick might be different from, I don't know, give me another MAGA person who can't control, Doug like Blake Masters or Doug Mastriano, right? So there is a way to thread this needle and our bifurcated media environment does give people the opportunity to let their freak flag fly in the places where they need it to fly and then be slightly more normal. Like Carrie Lake, when she was talking to you, she was testing out the normal Carrie Lake. Now, I bet there's other environments where she's not that version right. of Carrie Lake. And there, if you recall, Donald Trump had a brief stint, and I can't remember if it was before he got COVID and had that luna, just absolutely insane debate with Joe Biden or if it was after, but there was this point at which everybody was like, he seems much more disciplined, uh, right? Like it, when he had a campaign and he started uh, behaving like a normal person. And then it like fell apart. I do think that there is an element of being able to figure out how to talk to the different audiences in the Republican party. There has always been a pivot that people make from a primary to a general election. And I think that the media environment now is so fractured that it's possible if you are a talented politician like Carrie Lake is, that you can work that to your advantage. I would say the counterpoint to that, though, is 2022, where part of what happened is by the time the primary was over, they were pretty. They, for a lot of people, the stuff that they said, like Tudor Dixon saying that a 12 year old girl who was raped would have to carry the baby to term, like everybody remembered that. Like it was baked in from the primary, and so I guess that's the that's the question. I, but I could see how talented politicians could do it. I'm just not sure there's a lot of people that are as good as Carrie Lake.
2: Well, but to your point, though, on the bifurcated media environment, we also live in a, an environment where nothing ever goes away. You can't have that soundbite right. uh, uh, on, on Bannon's show and not have it thrown at you a hundred times in the general. Maybe in, you get into the real fever swamps, the podcast where, like, the trackers aren't, but, like, I don't see how you can thread that needle and maintain plausible deniability in the general.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are two models. And so the uh, the second one is Tim Scott. The first one is like, so there is this, I am a normie Republican. I'm actually, I am actually normal and I'm trying to do the MAGA cosplay. Like that's one option. We've seen that that doesn't work. The other option that I do wonder if, but this person doesn't exist. So maybe this is a white whale, right? And that's kind of what we're talking about is I am MAGA in my soul. The things that I actually care about are strong border. I don't think that we should be, you know, doing overseas adventurism. I'm anti-free trade. And like these are, and and I'm anti-woke. And like, these are things that I genuinely care about. I actually don't care about all the other stuff that much. And so maybe they can kind of grow them like this person up through the system who is like a normal, I went to an Ivy League school and I actually care about this stuff. And now, and then in the future that person can run and they don't have to do dabble in the crazy stuff. You know, because they exude MAGA in, in the way that they talk about issues. Uh, but even then, I just, part of me thinks, since what I wrote is that, like, I, I just think that it might be the case that fundamentally the MAGA people want somebody that's a little crazy, right? Like, and then no matter how authentic it is, an anodyne version is just gonna be more boring. The Trump show isn't gonna be there the libs aren't going to be quite as mad at them, you know, like the tears aren't going to be as delicious and that that person would end up just getting beat by somebody that outflanks them.
1: Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens when Trump is no longer around because it will create a vacuum. Yes, I know dies. Uh, but I'm like, I'm not wishing that on anybody. Cause I don't, but, uh, mm-hmm. but it, it, I think, and you'd be surprised how many rooms, you're in we're like that's the plan the plan is like we should not be trying to defeat this there's it's like you have to wait until he dies because he
0: republican rooms or democratic rooms or what do you mean rooms
1: i would just say rooms where people are thinking about what a post-trump world looks like there's a real admission that the post-trump world trump literally has to be gone like you don't as long as trump's around you don't beat it he has to be he has to be off the scene entirely. Because it it the cultish element, right? There's no it's not uh it's not tied to an ideology, it's tied to a person. So somebody else can embody both the crazy and sort of the make America great, America first policy deal, but none of them are Donald Trump.
0: Oh, it's an interesting thought experiment. What we know doesn't work is being a nice person that pretends that they are a MAGA person, which brings us to the great donor class, Hope, Tim Scott, who officially dropped out of the race this week. Here is my view on Tim Scott. Why uh, did anybody ever think that this was going to work? <laughs> like, I think what we just were talking about is an interesting thought experiment. Like, could J.D. Vance work? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not, maybe, right? I think that's an interesting thing to think about, you know, is a kinder, gentler Trump something people might want if they have, if they also feel like they're of the Trump mold. That's a maybe. I, I think that I could hear both sides of that argument. Could a Tim Scott work? Obviously no, which is something we've been telling you on this podcast for a year. Finally, Tim Scott came to terms with that. I think it was kind of interesting that he came to terms with it right after he had his Canadian girlfriend reveal. It makes the whole thing feel really kind of creepy and weird to me. I don't know. I just I I, I don't know. Like Mindy, why she went along with this. Good luck out there, Mindy. But um, anyway, what did you guys? Do you guys? We can just move on to our final segment if you guys don't have anything to add. But <laughs> do you have anything? Any eulogizing to do for <laughs> Tim Scott?
2: Well, uh, Tim, you you said uh, right at at the top of the show that Tim Scott is not a block A topic and he's not a block A candidate. I, like it just like. Tim Scott maybe had a path in 2012 or 2008 as that kind of Republican. It doesn't exist in the GOP as it's currently constituted. He just, again, he just looked uncomfortable and kind of phony out there when he was trying to, as we were discussing, thread the MAGA normie GOP needle. He looked uncomfortable. I like that's just kind of what it comes down to.
0: Sarah, I guess the one interesting thing that would be looking at your opinion on is I've heard some chatter since he dropped out that... It's good news for Nikki Haley. Uh, Tim Scott's dropping out. His vote share of 2% is going to go to her, That's it's going to help her momentum. What do you think? Nikki Haley, is she happy this morning in Bamberg? She is
1: happy. No, she is. Every single one of these uh, people that drops out allows her – it's not just the meager vote share coming her way. It's more just like a tension for her. She is fighting to emerge – in a one on one battle with Donald Trump, right? And, you know, I continue to think that's a hopeless endeavor, but a worthwhile one nonetheless. And I much uh, prefer it to be her than Ron DeSantis. And right now, Ron DeSantis is splitting off, move on from Trumpers from Trump, but she is consolidating the normie vote. And so everyone that drops out is good. I just want to say about Tim Scott, it's a good lesson for candidates that look good on paper. Like, there was a lot about Tim Scott that if you just considered him, his history, his bio, that, like, you could be like, oh, I can totally see this. And people did like him. You know, this was one of the things Trey Gowdy, when Trey Gowdy seemed actually sort of caught off guard when Tim Scott dropped out on his show. Uh, Like, oh. And he kept saying, but you have the highest, like, positive rating for voters. They didn't, they don't hate Tim Scott, right? They think he's nice. And they don't hate Nikki Haley. They just don't want them. And this is the thing that I think is an interesting thing to tease out, which is it's not that they're like, they hate Mike Pence. They hate Chris Christie. They don't hate Tim Scott. They want to belong to a party that they, that has Tim Scott's in it, right. For a variety of reasons, but they don't want Tim Scott to be the president.
0: I do have a little bit of bad news uh, for Nikki Haley on this front. The Tim Scott. Uh, second choice numbers for who, you know, who who his candidates in Iowa. So he did, he had 7% in Iowa, but uh, there was not a single person got above 30. It was Trump, uh, DeSantis and Haley were all between 20 and 30 and unsure was the remaining quarter. So broke down basically, basically evenly. Not great, Bob. Okay. Speaking of not great, Bob, I want to close by really uplifting people maybe you can think about something sarah sarah just because you bring the sunshine to this podcast and and you love being touched so much by Carrie Lake, um, and you know just all of your feelings. I haven't thought about a positive send off because we're going to go down into the dark place right now. So maybe think about something. Think about something nice to say at the very end. Um, okay, great. Charlie had a newsletter yesterday. I don't know if you listen if you read Charlie Sykes' Morning Shots. It's a good newsletter. It comes out every day, and it was about the plans that Donald Trump has put forth. And this was some of what I talked about with uh, with Steve Bannon. Uh, last week, um, I listed out you know that five point Mike Davis plan uh, of, of of eradicating the deep state and indicting the Bidens and deporting twenty million people and releasing the January sixth prisoners and reopening uh, Gitmo. Bannon was all on board for all five points of that five point plan. Charlie brings up some other plans, reads some reports from John Swan and others, the New York Times. One of them that jumped out to me, uh, former President Donald Trump is planning an extreme expansion of his first-term crackdown on immigration, including preparing to round up people living in the United States without legal permission on a vast scale and detain them in sprawling camps while they wait to be expelled. Um, that, that sounds bad. Uh, they, they want to follow the, quote, Eisenhower model, um, which is just a— uh, not very subtle, uh, nice way to call back Operation Wetback, uh, which was a, a, a past effort to expel Hispanics uh, in the country. Um, other things, to speed, mass deportations, redirect the military budget, um, DOJ targeting political enemies. So not great. I guess my main question is I, I don't think that we need to belabor much time unless, Sunny feel free. I don't want to speak for you. In saying that everybody, all of us are horrified and appalled by the potential plans that Donald Trump has in a second term. My main question for this is, Charlie's thesis was, it's, it's the plans, not the gaffes that matter. And I think obviously that is true substantively, that it's his plans that are more important than him saying vermin or whatever, which as gross as that is, um, or, or mixing up Biden with Obama is maybe a better example. But for me, I wonder if politically the plans, not the gaffes, also are more salient. Because, like, I'm just not sure this has sunk in with people yet. And and maybe there can be a case that is made. So, Sarah, I want to start with you.
1: So, this when you say it hasn't sunk in yet, so I talk about this from the focus groups all the time. The fact is, voters have not yet grokked that it is going to be Biden versus Trump. In all cases across the board, people still seem to think, like, something's going to happen. Like, maybe Trump goes to jail or, like maybe someone else is going to be there instead of Biden. Like they just haven't fully clocked the idea that it's going to be a rematch. And I think that as a result, Trump is getting a big pass right now from people. Like they're just not super engaged in the crazy stuff that he's doing. So that part is right.
0: Okay. But what, what about the part of like, in some ways is this new information, right? Like the way I think about this is that Trump saying crazy stuff at a rally. I I think, I think we should publish publicize that, that like. People, like, they know that he's going to say crazy stuff. Is it new information for voters that might move some of them when they actually hear the details of his plans? And, and- Yeah,
1: but here's the thing. Here's what, here's what the people who are focusing on the gaps, there's a reason the gaps are getting focused on by the Biden administration, is it's the same thing that the right is doing with Hunter Biden. They need to make an equivalency argument on mental acuity with Biden right? And they think that the biggest vulnerability for Biden is the fact that people do not see him as like up to the job and mentally sharp. And so they really need to even that out with Trump is also not mentally sharp. And I think at this juncture, that's not a terrible thing to do because voters are not yet really read in on the idea that it's going to be Trump. You do need to, because one of the things I talk about a lot with the focus groups is like voters, oftentimes, this was true in 2022, they didn't really clock the idea that the behavior for these candidates were, like, anti-democratic or a threat. They just thought they were nuts. And I think it's good for people to paint Trump as nuts as he comes into this, and then as it becomes clearer, really outline all the insane things that he wants to do.
0: Dark Sunny, do you think maybe the mass deportation plan in the camps is a positive? And so uh, <laughs> maybe that's not actually politically helpful at all?
2: I would say it's rarely a net positive for your campaign when something you have to planned or said you want to do is described as sprawling camps. I feel like sprawling camps is like, people are like, sprawling camps. Uh, Maybe they're, nice in theory, they're camp like, camps.
0: yes, I'm for deportations. Then once a right. hear about <laughs> sprawling <laughs> camps, well, no, they like, I think this.
2: I think this is actually true, though. I think this is true that I think people, if you ask them, should people who are in the country illegally be deported is a fairly straightforward law and order question. People are like, yeah, if you're here illegally, get out, you know, whatever. If you phrase it as, we are going to round up all of the people who we suspect to be here illegally, and we're going to put them in a series of interlocking, sprawling camps throughout <laughs> the country. And it's going to be like an archipelago of you know, and like I don't think that's a good. I think that's a bad thing. Uh, if people understand the phrase archipelago, um, just but a the, word.
0: I don't think that's a phrase archipelago. I think it's a single. Well,
2: word. I'm I'm referencing the ar- gulag archipelago. You know, the phrase. Anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. Frankly, I think the gaffs help him in the primary because the whole point of, again, this goes back to what I was saying before. It's baked into the whole Trump appeal. He is Trump the showman being crazy, ridiculous. Like, I'll just say whatever comes off the top of my head. He will, at some point in the primary, talk about the sprawling camps. Be like, you know, guys, you want, should we have sprawling camps? And people will be like, yes, sprawling camps. We should have And because because that's what people want from, that's what people want from, from Donald Trump. And like, I think Charlie is absolutely right that the important thing is the actual policy things that will be undertaken by Donald Trump. But the thing I do worry about is moving the Overton window to the point where people are like, yeah, sure. Camp, big giant camps full of illegal immigrants. Of course, that's fine. We don't they're not gaffes. I mean, that's the other thing is that they're not actually gaffes. It's just like, it's just him. This is him. This is this is the thing. And this is why, this is why I get so depressed when I look at the polling numbers. It's like, well, this is the, what a clear plurality and probably a majority of the GOP electorate
0: wants. Yeah. I worry about the Overton window moving too. Uh, my only other observation on this, and uh, is it kind of moves away from the political to the practical, is even within me, I sometimes look at these things. And I'm like, they're not really going to do that. like, I, And I know. I like, I know. Like, there's most of my brain knows. And I fucking had to sit across from all of Bannon's three shirts, right? Like, I know what they want to do. And I know that they will do it if they can. But, like, he was just so incompetent in the first administration that that, like, little – and then the little optimistic, hopeful part of your brain comes in. And it's like, hey, well, that's, that's not really going to be like that. I just – I do think that's human nature. And I think that, that there has to be a really concerted effort to – to expose this over and over again and to drive into people's heads how different it will be because the staffing of the next administration, I know that's not the politically salient issue, but the staffing is going to be different and it's going to be hard for them to find people. And, and that means that at the bottom of the barrel, you know, even like when I asked Ben in that interview, like who are, who's going to be in the cabinet? Like, the names he had, he came up with were, like, preposterous. And part of the reason why they're preposterous is that there aren't good names, which takes us back to that there is no normal MAGA. You know what I mean? There aren't a lot of good options. And so so anyway, I, I, I do think that that, like, undergirds all of this. Uh, Sarah?
1: So take just Schedule F for an example. So this is the one where Trump keeps talking about this. I'm going to implement Schedule F, like, as a first order thing. That is where they're basically clearing out a bunch of the civil servants, And actually what he's doing by saying that is because they know no one, they know about there will be a quitting and mass of civil servants, right? So part of it too, is to be like, yeah, well, we're going to head off this uh, sort of walking out of the government, but that means they're going to put, when you say incompetent, that's true. But Like you don't have to be that competent to like completely burn things down. You have to be competent to build things, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be competent to preserve things. You do not have to be competent to burn it down. And I think that's, where this is going
0: well that's an uplifting close um it's been a really good positive show a long show sarah how are you how are you feeling do you have any nerves you've got a you've got a big speech i heard you gotta do
1: so i i gotta do my ted talk tomorrow and if you can't tell from this podcast i am a smidge on the sick side so i gotta play hurt number one number two i don't know if you've ever tried to memorize a 12-minute speech but it is really hard and also i'm not good at it like you know me, I like to talk off the cuff and like riff and I need the interaction, but just like talking straight for 12 minutes. It's, it is a disaster. So if you guys out there want to just like send me some positive vibes tomorrow, I would appreciate it. So I don't blank on stage in front of hundreds of people and then millions of people down the road when the, when they release it, I would appreciate it. I got to go talk about focus groups and democracy Gonna do my best.
0: It's your wheelhouse. Uh, You're fine. I will It'll send you fine. positive vibes. Sending positive vibes to our our absent co-host JVL and to uh, loyal. Oh yeah, reader, send uh, send
1: more love to him.
0: Yeah, and to our loyal reader Michelle uh, Ebersman. Uh, Michelle, I'm thinking about you. Uh, we have on Sunday Scott Galloway from the Pivot Pod. I taped oh, cool. it yesterday, so it's already in the can. It was really good, and he brought out kind of my inner sunny. Like, like, Scott is a little bit of a heterodox kind of thinker, and he's a, he's a Democrat and he's a liberal, but uh, on various issues, because, you know, we got outside of, like, the Trump bad talking points, you know, like, because uh, he has he, he actually is a very substantive person who can, you know, kind of talk about every fucking thing under the sun, and so we got into a lot of issues, so, you know, I don't know, so I got to kind of let my free market flag fly a couple times during the podcast, um, he has a great, great, great bit on higher education and about the problems with young men in society so anyway i think you'll enjoy that with scott galloway on sunday sarah i think me and you might be doing secret on friday we'll see a little teaser yeah it's you and me bud i would just like to reiterate to close that that is funny i had not thought about it that the three of us used to work
1: together yeah. like back in the day we all worked in the same place were we all in the office at the same now, time
0: tim tim was gone from Berman by the time mm-hmm. i got there I thought we I thought we had like a two-week overlap, no? I don't didn't. think, no. We didn't I, you were, were just you were, like ships passing in the night?
2: I, you came by the office a fair amount, I think still. Or, happy like, hours. Or we
0: would say happy hours. Uh, happy hours. So I, I think there was still... Yeah, we've all come a long like way. People don't good.
1: realize, yeah. We all look pretty good.
0: Um, guys, thanks so much for being with you. We'll see you on Thursday night if you're in D.C. Otherwise, we'll see you on Friday. And uh, I don't know how JVL usually closes out this show. Peace.